Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. A woman I give a lot of respect to, and I was very excited uh, when uh, Ben told me that we are going to be interviewing her because she's made such great strides in uh, the fight for climate change in South Africa. Let's welcome our A-team guest, Mako Maligalagala, who is uh, the director of Earth Life Africa. She's also uh, an award winner, Gold Man Environmental Prize for Africa 2018 Award, and also the SAB Environmentalist of the Year 2018 Award. Makoma, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening and good evening to your listeners. You are one woman who stands up for what is just and what is right. You have not only been in the forefront when it comes to, you know, uh, gender rights and women rights and social and economical issues, but on the environmental justice side, you have just done such great strides. Take us through your journey. Oh, thank you very much. Um I think I'm just an ordinary person like all other South African women. And it just happened that I just get recognized by other people. But I think there's a lot of other women who are doing great work out there. It's just that um, they have not been recognized or there hasn't been any zooming on them. I am an activist and I always say I'm a social environmental um, activist. I, I grew up like um, in the townships, like everyone. I worked at an early age. I became involved in the labor movement, and um, I decided to just work or in the developmental sector. And that's how I found myself working for for different non-governmental organizations. Um, just to mention Jubilee South Africa, and also where I am now at Life Africa Johannesburg. You have had an incredible journey, Makoma. Um, and one of the journeys that I think a lot of South Africans uh, remember vividly is your, um, you know, civil, uh, social, um, environmental justice against uh, the nuclear. Um, you know, and, and, and other people would say, but nuclear is a form of energy. It's being used elsewhere in the world, but... It's, it's a lack of understanding of, um, you know, the impact on environment that nuclear has. Yeah. So how did you manage to fight and win this fight? I think all in all, this was more about um, a democracy in the country. We've got a constitutional democracy. And uh, one of the aspects of that is energy democracy for people to be able to choose. But one of what what guided um, myself and my colleagues and uh, allies was more on what the Constitution of South Africa presents to us, particularly the Bill of Rights, Section um, 24, which talks about everyone has got a right to an environment that is not harmful to their being. And also taking into consideration that um, some of the legislation that we have, like the National Environmental Management Act, and policies, regulations thereof, and also what the South African government has committed itself to internationally on the sustainable development goals. It's that whatever activity that we have in the country should not be harmful to to the environment. And uh, with with the nuclear issue, it was much more on um, the history or the the history of of nuclear in the country, in that... um, 
in the 80s when Quebec nuclear power plant was, was constructed, there was not input from the, the, the ordinary people or citizens of this country. Um, even though we were divided by then, even those who had the privilege of voting didn't have much say because um, the power plant was also built as a disguise for um, manufacturing atomic or nuclear um, ammunition. And so the the journey around that was, um, we know nuclear all over the world, uh, wherever there is a, any nuclear project, there's, there's a lot of corruption around that. There's a lot of uh, underhand stuff that is, is, is being done. But what we were much more concerned was that even if this nuclear power plant was built, and then um, I believe the South Africans were blackmailed and uh, the two tricks were used on us to believe that this is we really need this this type of um, electricity generation technology. Um, we we were presented with load shedding. We were presented, and people what were saying, no, we need this kind of power because we don't have power now. We've got load shedding, and the other thing is that uh, those were. The proponents of of the technology, the electricity generation technology, were also saying that this would be a solution to climate change, which is not. And so um, our journey began. This is what I almost do most of the time, of talking to people, ordinary people, uh, uh, putting the dots together to say because this is a way. It's a very expensive way of of generating electricity. So that is mean that means that your tariffs are going to be too high. Right now, we are faced with a high tariffs because of cost recovery for projects like Midupi, uh, which we don't know whether it will finish whenever. The price tag of Midupi was 8 billion rents when it started, when it was proposed, but now it's like three times more. So what about nuclear power, which um, has got a history of, of, of cost overruns? So that means ordinary people would have to... Um, cover for those cost overruns, electricity would be way, way expensive, even though we, and, and currently experience, experiencing energy poverty in the country. So the issues of democracy, of that people should be involved in decision-making of what sort of electricity they want, um, people should participate in the decisions. And we know that our representative democracy sometimes don't, don't give us that opportunity, but at least we've got regulations that allow ordinary people to be able to be part of decision-making processes. And we're also looking at um, the, the nuclear fuel chain of, of nuclear, the, the, the fuel chain of nuclear, which is high carbon intensive. And um, we just had a report yesterday of, uh, of how um, we, we of, 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 of the problems that we have. Um, because of um, the carbon emissions that we have in the atmosphere, so that needs to be reduced. So we couldn't allow this because we understood the nuclear, uh, this project to be very high carbon intensive. And much of the worries was about the waste also, um, that um, there's, there's no storage or there's no safe storage of nuclear, of, of nuclear waste. Um, the waste remains for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, it's highly radioactive. And we've got a practical uh, example of how the this waste creates havoc in the environment and also with life around it. Uh, the Falput's waste storage, um, it's now kind of uh, 
um, you cannot grow plants there. People are also um, uh, impacted in such a way that their health has been compromised, that people are, are, are getting leukemia, people, um, uh, some of the, the, the children that are born are not born normal. So this is not only happening in, in Falkut, but it happens all over the world. And also that the accidents, um, I mean, we just heard about the human error at Nidupi. So what if that happens at, at Quebec power plants? And if you build more reactors, um, that is likely to happen. So these are some of the issues that uh, we shared with people. These are the, some of the issues that we said if we really need um, to eradicate energy poverty in the country, we need to have a decentralized electricity generation system that would also benefit only people, that people can generate electricity and also be able to create jobs and benefit from that. So there's, this, there's many issues, but um, for us being able to talk to ordinary people in the language that they understand and linking that to their everyday struggle, I think that was a winning formula. You know, Makoma, as you're speaking, all I can think about is what a giant you are alongside with your colleagues um, to be able to, you know, target environmental corruption, if we may so put it, and uh, challenge uh, parastatals that have been there for years and years. Uh, were you not fearful for your life? Because it, for you to be able to get, you know, the first um, climate change legal case against government, must have been a big deal. So were you not scared? Were you not feeling that you are going up against a Goliath and you are only a David? Um, one thing is that um, clarity of purpose is very important. And the clarity of purpose was that um, we're promoting the, the democracy that we have in the country. And in a democracy, we have people have got to decide people become part of the governance. And uh, if you don't see that happening, you all obviously have to stand up and say, hi, this is what we have, and why are we not following that? Um, in our life, in, 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 in the line of, of, of activism, in the line of work that we do, we all know that um, we, we're not safe. And uh, But what, what convinces us to go ahead and uh, continue with the work that we're doing is that we're not doing it only for ourselves now, but we're also doing it for the coming generations. And um, yes, um, there, there have been incidences, but that doesn't deter us. And even today, I'm still convinced that um, what I am doing, what other people are doing, in making sure that um, we correct the wrongs that we see before us. Um, it's, 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 it's what we, 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 we live for, and uh, it's for the benefit not only of, of, of myself, it's the benefit of um, other people and, and the planet, and so that life should go on. And every time people, you raise issues, people would say there's some negative uh, people that would say, but why are you doing this? This is a waste of time. We'll, we'll continue in, in any way. But then the, 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 the externalized costs of, of not acting on something that is wrong are far much bigger than if you just look and say, no, it's okay, it's fine. I mean, I can make examples now. Uh, recently, the Val River, I think it's still even polluted. Um, 
uh, this was an issue that people are, some people around were like saying, oh, okay, the government will look at it. Uh, we'll see what to do. But who is the government? We are the government. So people around need to organize themselves and say, what do we do? Let's check the institutions that can be able to assist. There must be something wrong. There must be either people who are deliberately polluting that, um, the rivers. And we also have a situation around Mpumalanga where the, the air is highly polluted. And um, it had to take community-based organization and another non-governmental organization to say we're launching a, a, a court case um, in that we see that um, those who are custodians of, an, of an, our environment are not doing anything at all. And um, also part of the stuff that is happening is um, because it's, it's for the sake of their lives. They want to breathe normally like everyone and not go to hospital every time to get asthma pumps, uh, to be continuously taking tablets, and some are not helping and people are dying. And also recently now, um, one of the biodiverse areas in, in the land, um, in between Sina and Makado in the Vembe district, it's, it's been threatened for, for destruction. And so I can't just look and say, no, it's fine, people, they would do anything. I have to, 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 to act, I have to step up and talk to people and make them aware of their rights and the rights of the environment. And that's, that, that doesn't make you fear because you're using, we, are, we are guided by the Constitution and we're also guided by our traditions and cultures to say we really need to protect who we are so that we can also protect the future and make sure that nature works for us because at the end of the day, we are part of nature. Makoma, this year, uh, between the 31st of October until uh, the 12th of November, uh, COP26 is going to be taking place, a climate change um, conference. Do you think that uh, these uh, climate change conferences make an impact, especially for us as Africans? Do they make an impact? Are the policies that are taken um, trickling down to tangible changes when it comes to uh, implementation of environmentally friendly um, uh, policies? One is that um, I think for almost more than 25 years, up to 30 years, um, there has been reports that um, the scientists have been producing, or the, the scientists warned us way back to say the, the, the climate is changing, we need to do something because this would have devastating impacts on life on Earth. And yesterday we got uh, the, the, the report, assessment report number six, which clearly says that um, it seems like there's no point of return and something practical needs to, to happen. And I'm glad that this report comes on the eve of um, the conference of the parties 26, which is going to take place in Glasgow. We've had um, a, a number of uh, agreements of protocols that have been signed by countries in, 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 an, in, an, in an attempt to be able to find ways to reduce emissions in, a, in an attempt to, to find uh, ways that um, would assist that we don't find ourselves in the situation that we are. And it's just unfortunate that uh, the African countries or most of the countries in the global south are not responsible for the, the mayhem that we find ourselves in. It's mostly the northern countries. And I just hope that at this 
conference of the parties 26 that um, all the countries that have been meeting and the meetings that have been taking place, they would come to a conclusion to say, yes, we have wasted a lot of time. And this is the time that we come with a legally binding agreement to, to combat climate change. And that legally binding agreement, which is the convention that uh, they've been discussing text and uh, having two and four every time with meetings, that they would finally come up with something tangible that would legally bind all countries um, to take steps to reduce carbon emissions in the country. But for a country like South Africa, which is the biggest emitter of greenhouse gas emissions in, 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 in Africa, that means we have to, to work much more harder. And the kind of energy project like um, South Africa has got to like abandon its nuclear ambitions. Um, we're having uh, public hearings now for site licensing. What is that at this time of, of, of where, where, where we are faced with this threat of extinction? Um, South Africa also, that means the car power ships uh, that has made use recently would also have to be abandoned uh, because these are all fossil fuels. The Mucina Mercado Special Economic Zone just have to be abandoned. And uh, with the Mucina Mercado, it's, it's, it's so ironic that um, uh, the provincial department of environment and tourism in, the, in, in, in Limpopo is the one that um, through its, um, in, uh, through its uh, business arm uh, or what they call the development arm that they are pushing ahead. Um, they would want to have uh, this special economic zone by Zico Cook. And um, the, this would increase carbon, the carbon budget in the country. This would also destroy uh, the, the sacred sites of um, the people of Vavenda. This would also, uh, and there's no enough water in the southern African region, so I don't know where the water is going to come from. So um, starting from home, doing the right thing, and then um, making sure that the uh, institutions or, uh, like SAFO and ESCOM uh, are, are prevented from or continuously applying for postponement of uh, applying for them not to comply uh, with uh, minimum emission standards. So these are some of the actions that we, we could be doing at home. And uh, we do them at home. And that would contribute to what the country and other countries are saying. This is our national determined contributions on how we reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So there's a lot that has got to be done, and we are not responsible for that. But however, um, we need to also be part of that legally binding agreement. And my wish is that at COP this year, uh, the outcome becomes that legally binding agreement. There's been statements by our Ministers of Environment, by the President, who also has established the Presidential Climate Commission um, to, 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 to ensure that um, we walk our talk as a country. And walking our talk, it's not only for the good legislation that will be on paper or policies, but that will be for preservation of life and also not being complicit to destroying the environment and the planet at the end. So for women who are listening right now, who are saying, I want to be an activist, I want to make a change, um, what is it that they should do to, to start in their communities, to, to, to mobilize others, to challenge those things that they see in their communities that are not correct? 
One thing is a person who works mostly with with, with communities and particularly women. Um, the thing is you find that uh, women are the ones who are managers of their home mostly. They are very energy efficient. They are not wasteful. They recycle and um, they take care. Um, women are not by nature, you know, are frugal in a way. And sometimes when people are frugal, it's said they are stingy, but they are not stingy. It's 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 also for 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 helping. And some little things that people may not even think that they make a difference. They make a huge huge difference. But what I also would say is that with all that that we do practically personally. The other important thing is also to be part of uh, the discourse that are taking place. For an example, um, with all what um, is being discussed at, um, at the COP meetings that is being discussed at uh, international levels on how to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and I think we should be part of the discussion and the debate on how to shape a transition towards a much a more low-carbon development and low carbon lifestyles. And um, that would mean that um, as women, we should be part of that discourse. We should make sure that that uh, discussions have got a gender lens because we have all these discussions in highly academic language, in highly scientific language, and people can relate to them. But uh, I think it's up to some of us who at least have got an understanding of this terminology to explain to people and so that uh, people should be able to be part of the discussion because if we don't shape this discussion, someone up there theoretically would come up with legislation, theoretically they would come up with policies, and they would, at the end of the day, impact negatively on us like they are doing today. So it's important for all of us to be part of shaping this uh, transition so that it's just so that it doesn't leave anyone out. And um, I would say that um, you don't have to, to 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 be an academic. You don't have to 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 know science uh, to 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 be scientific. I mean, our indigenous knowledge system play a part also. Um, in combating climate change, and we need to start respecting them. If we respect how we do things, um, revisit our cultures, revisit our our traditions, and uh, that would assist in a way that um, those intergenerational conversations would would be like a knowledge base on what steps need to be taken. And women can do this very well, and um, women are doing that. So that's how. We're able to adapt, and um, we get people being part of um, shaping the future that we want, particularly the transition that is moving away from how we're generating electricity, moving away from destroying the planet um, with a lot of plastics. This is a way of us moving away from this situation that really renders us vulnerable, that impacts negatively on our lives. And uh, if women can get involved and move away from uh, saying some other people can do it, I think all of us, we need to step up one way or the other. And collectively, I think we can bring about the change and we can bring about a future that we have been so longing for it for quite a long time. Oh, Makoma, thank you very much for joining us. It was such a pleasure.
Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. It's uh, time for the news. Let's go straight to Mudupi Mahalimela.